We're going to be reading out of Romans chapter 10 here in just a moment. Again, we started last week just teaching a little bit on some starting places and foundational concepts with regards to faith. If you want to catch up, you can purchase a, a CD or if you have the capability, you could go to our website and link onto the iTunes and that's absolutely free so you don't have to miss anything. But we mentioned to you last week that if there are certain things in your life that are not in order, then faith principles won't necessarily override or somehow exempt uh, you from having to get those foundations in order. There is an assumption behind faith that takes place in order for you to walk out all the things that God says needs to be done in order to see Him move supernaturally in your life. Now the Bible says many things about faith that we need to get a hold of. Um, Most of you, I would hope, are aware that you are saved by grace through faith. Isn't that true? Amen. You didn't work for it. You didn't merit it. You know, you didn't look good enough or act good enough. None of us have what it takes in and of ourselves. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And so all of us came by grace through faith in order to be reconciled to God. The Bible tells us, as well, that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. So that everything in your life just can't be summed up by your senses. There are things in your life that are going to have to be accessed and you're going to have to do that are going to transcend what you see with your senses and hear and these sorts of things. You must learn to walk by faith. The Scripture tells us that the just, which means those of us who have been born again or who have been saved, the just shall live by faith. So your life is not going to be lived by your bank accounts. Your life is not going to be lived by your reasonings. Your life is not going to be lived because you went to college. Your life has to be lived by faith. And then finally, just to throw some things out to you, the scripture tells us that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you could speak to a mountain and say, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And Jesus said, that mountain would move. Isn't that amazing? So it's not, amount, it's not about the amount of faith you think you have. I wish I had a mustard seed. Some of you probably do have a mustard seed somewhere in all of your relics and things of that nature. I mean, a mustard seed, I mean, it's, it's, I'm talking dinky. And Jesus says, if you just have just dinky faith, Man, mountains can move. Is that not incredible? But I do think that we've misunderstood faith. We've misapplied faith. But I'm determined to recover faith. Just because you have one goofball out there doesn't mean that should deter you from pursuing the real deal. So I want to recover faith so I can see the miraculous. I want to see supernatural things happen in my life And in the church, because you do realize that if something miraculous or supernatural is going to take place in your life, it's going to come by what? One more time. Sure, faith, faith. Lately, I just happened to be connected in a certain way that uh, I just heard some stories of some local ministries, although this is not endemic to just somebody that's local. But this is all over the world, all over America. But I've just heard that there are some that teach 
and speak against what they think. Now, and I want you to hear what I'm underscoring. What they think is the faith message. You probably heard someone teach about those that blab it and grab it. Name it and claim it. You know what the really difficult thing is? And it happened to me as well. I remember when the renewal movement first began to happen and the faith message was being recovered. And and I remember hearing all of it and initially being, of course, not just attracted to it, but obviously being open to that because you can't get through much of the Bible without finding faith. And so I was listening to the faith message and there was some revelation with it that I'd not heard before and some things that were being taught that that I just wasn't initially against, but I just hadn't kind of worked through how all that was going to work because it was totally different from anything that I'd ever been taught before. And this is what, I don't know whether it's God or the enemy, I, I, I don't know totally, but you always meet somebody goofy at first who will take a truth and they'll live it in such a way that it will repel you from wanting to embrace that truth. Isn't that true? Now, I believe, I'll just give you all kinds of examples. For instance, I I believe in in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that they're speaking in tongues. I believe in manifestations that are in the Bible and they're biblical. But I'll tell you what's hard is when you meet somebody really goofy, and, and because of their personality or because of their style or because of their zeal or because they just kind of went further with it than really the, the Bible gives us permission to go. And how many of you know people have done that? And, and we see that and we instantly recoil or we're, we, we repel from that. And then what happens is we think everybody's like them. And uh, I don't know, like I said, whether that's God to stretch us or whether that's the enemy to discourage us but nonetheless it's out there and it happens and it happened to me i'm sure it's happened to many of you and uh i understand i understand when you meet someone who has counterfeited or convoluted a biblical precept i understand how people back away and they go i don't want to be a part of that You've got to realize that I stand before you as a person who for years taught against the things of the Spirit. I've had people come to me and they've opened up their Bible and they've wanted to, you know, in the last years try to correct me from what they perceive to be my error because now I do believe totally, fully, completely in the things of the Spirit. And they'll start going through all their arguments and I'll look at them and say, hey, bro, I already know that stuff. You've I've heard that, I taught it, and I can show you where you're wrong. And and so I used to teach against all of this stuff, so I understand the perspective. I, I, I understand how you get there. In my own life, I was blind and unfortunately religious, and they are too. Jesus' greatest problem when he came to this earth was not the heathen, it was the religious. Jesus' problem is never with the unsaved. His problem is always with religious people who think they've got it all figured out and they're unteachable and they're wise in their own eyes and they've done it this way for centuries and, you know, how could God ever change anything? And truth of the matter is, he didn't establish what you established. So what happens is, is that we're living in an era where so many people are backing away 
from truth and they're backing away from biblical precept and they don't want to look goofy and they don't want to look funny and maybe they grew up in in some of our circles and they and they saw silliness and they they saw error and they saw people being presumptuous and what happens is and i know how this works you begin to back up on things because you don't want the world to perceive you as goofy you know i've come to the place where if you're going to be an all-out christian why don't you get over that you're goofy to the world Okay, you're, you're going to look strange to them. Sure you are. If you don't sleep around, you're strange. Sure you are. Sure you are. If you don't want to go get drunk with them, you're strange. Why don't you just re- resolve that? There's going to be some strange about this. But the problem is when we back off of truth and we don't begin to teach the whole counsel of God, what happens is from my perspective as a shepherd is you begin to leave people defenseless. You leave people toolless. You leave people in a position where they can't move forward in God, but they're always moving backwards in the things of God. And we've got to remember this, that Paul said, Paul said when we dress in our armor, one of the pieces of armament was the shield of faith. And so if you don't understand faith, then you're going to be target practice for the enemy. Can you see that? So... I'm going to talk about faith this month, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. We may just stay on this one for the rest of the month, but we're going to talk about what gets, what gets criticized more than anything else. And I, it's easy to criticize, but I'm going to teach you why it's so important. And it's on positive confession. Positive confession and why it works. Now, if you have your Bibles to Romans 10, verse 6, let me read this to you. It says, Paul writes... But the righteousness of faith does what? Speaks. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near in you, in your mouth, and in your heart. Now that's underlined in my Bible. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So he says here, and the point of these verses is rather simple and it's this. To be saved, listen to me now, to access saving power. Now when I say to be saved, I'm just not talking about you get to go to heaven. That's a part of being saved. But the word salvation is not just linked only to getting to go to heaven. Salvation is about being delivered. Salvation is about a quality of life. Salvation is about being whole as a person. Salvation is about being complete, even here and now. And so in order to access saving power, Paul says here, it's not going to demand your human effort. It's not going to be based on the merit of what you do as a human being. But rather, it is accessed, he says, by believing in the heart the right thing and by confessing out of your mouth what it is you need to confess. Do you see that? Now, if you can get a hold of this, you'll see that the first powerful thing that God did in your life 
was to save you. And when he saved you, what literally happened is you believed something in your heart and then you began to speak something out of your mouth. And the scripture says at that moment you accessed saving power. Now the reason I'm just belaboring the point, it's just like Sunday School 101, I'm just belaboring the point, is to remind you that that God isn't trying to trick you. He's not trying to pull a rug out from under you. He's not trying to somehow make this harder than it really is. But from the very inception of how you got into the kingdom, He gave you the model or He gave you the prototype of how things from this point forward will be accessed in the kingdom. If you want to access kingdom things, you're going to have to learn to believe something in your heart and then you're going to have to speak something out of your mouth. Now, again, many people call this name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. I'm just here to tell you, if you ever hear someone do that, just look them in the eye and saying, then you're mocking your own salvation. Because that's exactly what you did when you were saved. You sure did. You named it and claimed it. You blabbed it and grabbed it. You sure enough did. You believed in your heart something. You spoke it out loud. And you, you literally, you, you said, Jesus is Lord. I claim salvation. Based on what he has done. You sure enough named it and claimed it. You blabbed it and you grabbed it. And folks, we need to begin to understand right now. Right now. That that is how you access the kingdom. Do not let religious people turn you aside from accessing kingdom things. That was Jesus' biggest problem. He had to get through, he tried to get through, a religious system that wouldn't hear what he had to say. And so what he did was, this is what he said. Literally, in, in Matthew 21, he said that if you're not going to get this, he was looking at the Jewish religious system, he said, if you're not going to get this, then I'm going, I'm going to take this to a nation that will produce the fruit of the kingdom. He's not looking to create religion. He's looking to, to have relationship with his people that they might access kingdom things. I don't know, has anybody here ever needed to be healed? Well, that's a kingdom thing, healing. Anybody here ever wanted to be delivered out of something? I mean, that's a kingdom thing. Anybody here ever need righteousness, joy, or peace in your life? Well, that's a kingdom thing, man. And it will elude you unless you get this particular point. Now, have some people corrupted this and been foolish? Sure they have. Uh, people have run around all over town and they've laid hands on Mercedes and Lexus and you know, they bought houses that were ten times what they could afford. Uh, yeah, people are always presumptuous and they're always going to be the foolish crowd. But if you're going to back off of truth because a few have corrupted it, well, that's exactly what the enemy would love. I believe I put it on the screen overhead. The word to confess means literally to say the same thing, to agree with, to admit and so to make a positive confession means that you say what God has said. You agree with what He has said. You admit that His word is true. That is how you possess the things that God has said are yours in His word. I'm not, you know, I, you know whether or not I don't really give a rip what you drive, but the point being is this, is that if it's in here, 
I have a right to it. This is my inheritance document. I am an inheritor now, the Bible says, of salvation. I have become an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So what it says in this word by way of both responsibilities as well as blessings, it is now mine. This is my inheritance document. And if I begin to speak what God has said, that's not arrogance. He said it. Now I'm going to give you some practical examples here of what I mean. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 18 and 21, this is what it says. Now we've quoted this a thousand times. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. Death and life. I'm going to help you make this real practical. The word death, if you could put parentheses, just put parentheses around there and say negative or fearful. Anything that comes out of your mouth that is negative or antithetical to this, it it isn't what it says in here. Anything that is based in fear, not in faith, that's death. That's what the Bible means by death. Death and life. What does life mean? Life means, if you could put, uh, again, parentheses, that which God has said, that which God has promised, that which is, is a positive exhortation. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So he says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now listen to me. Out of your mouth and out of my mouth, we can speak negative we can speak fear we can speak things that are the exact opposite of what this word says out of our mouth can come all these things but out of our same mouth we have the opportunity to speak the promise or to speak life to speak hope all the things that he has promised so out of our mouths there is a choice we can speak death or we can speak life but death and life are in the power of the tongue and and this is what i believe i believe the reason the writer put death before life is because the vast majority of the time the first thing that pops out of our mouth is death. Yeah, death. Now, the second half of the verse, it says this. It says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So if you're speaking death, there's a fruit to that. You're following me. If you speak life, there is a fruit to that. Death fruit is that you get the very thing that it is you're speaking out of your mouth negatively or fearfully. That is why it says in the book of Job, Job says this himself. He says, the thing that I have feared the most has come upon me. Now, it's really funny when people will say, I don't understand why all this is happening in my life. I don't get why all this is going on. Well, you know what? If we'd have had a tape recorder, we might be surprised. We might be. I'm not saying that's that way all the time, but you might be amazed. There's a fruit to what you say. So it could be the fruit of death or it could be the fruit of life and the promise of God and all the things. The Bible writer says that those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, hear me now. There are so many things that God has promised for you and for me. This isn't prophetic. This This is just good old black and white scripture. There are relationship promises. Some of you right now may be in relationship struggles. You may be having marriage struggles. You may be wanting some restoration of a relationship. You may be wanting a relationship to grow. You might be having family tree issues. I don't know what all could be happening in the area of relationship. 
But you need to find what God promises in this area, in His Word, and begin to speak it, speak it, speak it. And if you speak it and love it, you will bear the fruit of it. Some of you are facing financial issues. I mean, it's an economic downturn. Do you understand how much... How much of that negative, it's all going down, it's all bad, it's the worst since the depression, it's year and year and year and year. And so what happens is we read it, we see it, we hear it, our senses are empowered, and then we begin to speak it. I wonder if I'm going to get laid off. I wonder, I wonder when the axe is going to drop for me. I wonder when this thing's going to close up. I heard in the breeze they were thinking about layoffs. And we start getting in that mode, and this stuff starts coming out of our mouth, this death, and what happens is it happens. I don't care what the economy says. The economy does not rudder my life. The Word talks about prosperity and it talks about debt reduction and it talks about what we said last week about sowing seed and keeping things moving. The Bible has all sorts of promises that you've got to get into your system. Salvation promises for friends and family, for the harvest. If you walk around and go, they, ain't never, they won't never get saved. They know God ain't going to move in their life. It would take an asteroid hitting the earth. Well, yeah, it probably will. Healing promises about disease and sickness. And there's promises in here. Now understand, I, I was telling those that were here to intercede earlier this morning, we got to press into everything. Nothing in the kingdom comes simply or easily. Jesus said that if, if you want to get into the things of the kingdom, you're going to have to press into it. And the first place we've got to press is in our vocabulary. We've got to set our tongue, we've got to set our rudders in order to press. When everything else is saying the opposite, you're saying what God says. There's deliverance promises. I've heard people say uh, concerning addictions and bondages and all sorts of things that have bound them up for years. This is the way I am. It'll never change. It'll never be any different. I've always been this way. It's been this and it's been that. Well, you'll eat the fruit of that then. You've got to set in motion faith through what you begin to speak. Now, I'm going to give you, and I just decided when I started to teach this Faith February, I was going to do my best to teach people things that I have learned. I am not perfect at this. I won't even... I won't even try to present perfection. But I can present to you pursuit. <laughs> I can present to you someone who has pressed through some things and is still pressing through yet other things. And maybe that will help you. And maybe I can beckon you to come on the journey. Seven, seven primary reasons why confession of the word works. Seven primary reasons. These are things that I have learned. Number one. Because it's the way you activate the power of the kingdom. It's the way you activate the power of the kingdom. For those of you that have children, do you remember when you went through this stage in their life? I don't know how old they are. Sometimes it kind of comes in and goes out and comes back again. But I call it the why stage. Everything's why. Why, Daddy? You know, they're 10 years old. Why can't I drive? Why? Why is the speed limit 70 miles an hour? Why? Why? Why can't dogs have baby cats? Why? I mean, I mean, you know where I'm going with this. Why? Why doesn't the sun burn out? If it's so hot, it seems like it'd burn out in a hurry. Why? 
Everything's why. Now, there are moments that you may have an opportunity to share some things by way of insight. But there have been times, as a parent, when, I, when we're in this why stage, that I look at them and I say these familiar parental words. Because I said so. Because I said so. That is why. Now, you, you aren't gonna, even if I went through all the reasonings and, and tried to help you understand, I, you aren't going to get this. You do this because I'm telling you it's what needs to be done. That you may have done it because they weren't at a place that they could understand. They weren't at a place where they could assimilate it all. You weren't at a place where they could grasp all that was going on. Can I, can I just share something with you? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus says something to us that we just need to get back to. In Mark 10, 15, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Sometimes we get too smart for our own good. Sometimes we get too reasoning for our own good. Jesus said that the things of the kingdom can be received as a little child. You need to begin to receive some things in your life like a child again. When you begin to speak the word, whether you can understand it all or not, you begin to activate kingdom power in that circumstance. In fact, the Bible likens that to the casting of seed. He says in Mark 4 and 26, he says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And it is in the context of, of course, the parable of sowing seed with regards to speaking the word. And then it says, and should sleep by night and rise by day, meaning the seed. The seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. So this guy is speaking the seed. He's speaking the word. And all of a sudden, it begins to sprout. It begins to grow. It begins to bear fruit, it says in verse 28. And he doesn't even understand it. He doesn't get it. He's not, he's not a scientist in that regard. All he knew was he cast seed and it grew. I don't understand anything about growing grass, throwing fertilizer out. I don't know the biology of it. But do you understand getting a biology degree doesn't help you more or less when it comes to growing things. It's just doing it. Doing it. And you have to begin to do it. I have everybody look at me and they'll say, well, if I just start speaking the word of God and I just start naming it and claiming it, and, you know, and I've heard this guy say this and that and all the rest, I just don't know. I don't know. Then, then don't expect anything to grow. If you're trying to figure things out first, you'll be forever mystified. You've got to enter into some of these things like a child. And as soon as you begin to practice obedience awareness begins to come and you begin to get that understanding. Is it not true for all of you adults right now? Is this not true? Especially if you have children. Is it not true that the minute you get children and they're in your house for about a year, your parents suddenly turn into geniuses? Isn't it true? When you were 16, you thought your parents were out to lunch. They didn't get it. They weren't with it. They are clueless. They live in the dark ages. It's a new time. It's a new era. Oh, oh, you, at 16, you were so smart. Oh, all the knowledge of the universe was in that 16-year-old body. If they'd only listen to you. And then all of a sudden, you get to about 26, 28. You get in your 30s. You begin to parent. And all of a sudden, all those things come back to you. And suddenly, you get it. In fact, some of you right now would say this, I have turned into my father. 
I have turned into my mother. Now, how did that happen? You don't even know how it happened. It happened because all of a sudden you just were in a situation where you had to apply certain things and then it made sense. Hear me now. If you'll just start applying what Jesus said, it'll make sense after a while. All right, we'll have to go on. Number two. Primary reason is because it is what causes faith to come. In Romans 10, 17, I'm going to be reading several verses. I don't usually read this many verses. Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I want you to notice here the verse did not say that faith came by having heard. Are you following the tenses there? It says it comes by hearing. By hearing. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing and by hearing. And what and that happens when you are speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. The reason you're so faith-filled when Sunday ends is because you've heard the word of God. And so we all leave on Sunday and we're ready to take on the world. And then by about Monday at noon, you know, you know we're back kind of to where we were. Well, listen, here, here's the good news. The good news is that as we gather together, a part of what I do hopefully is sow the word into you so that it'll bring faith to your situation. But you can leave this place and because this book is open to all of you, you can speak it and 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 as you hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it faith is built up and up and up and up this whole nation is being paralyzed at this moment nothing is moving everybody's hoarding why it's because all we hear are words from man who are causing us to think fear 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 you're going to have to be very deliberate and tenacious in this current environment to walk by faith because we are being pulled relentlessly into fear. I received a church newsletter. I'm on a lot of mailing lists. And I received a newsletter the other day from a church that actually said, and I'm just quoting, the economy is causing church income to drop. How do we cope with economic downturn? And it went on to speak all this stuff. And I'm looking at him going, no, no. I, it may be downturning in the earth. It's upturning in the kingdom. It's always upturning in the kingdom. We aren't entering into that. We can be blessed and we can be favored even in the middle of an economic challenge because God is not bound to our economy and He does not yield to Wall Street. No, He doesn't. But you're going to have to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And I'm telling you, if it's 24-7 cable or if it's all the stuff you hear on the radio or whatever, you better be sure you're speaking the Word of God to keep your focus where it needs to be. Number three, the reason confession works is because it renews your mind to the Word of God. It really links off of number two as well. But according to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Brethren means, he's talking to Christian people. He says, I beseech you that by the mercies of God, you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And he says, be not conformed to this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I, this probably won't matter when we all get to heaven, but just for right now, one of the mysteries that I live with is this, that when we are born again, I know God gives us a new heart, 
But really, if I'd have been God, I'd have given all of us a brain transplant. I mean, I mean I've often thought, why, why God, didn't you just give us a brain tra- you, We needed a new brain. I know you gave us a new heart, but we really could have used a new brain. But the reason God gave us a new heart, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, is because he wanted, he wanted your love, not your reasoning. But the question is that the mind gets in the way of so many things. So how do you renew this thing? How do you, how do you rewire this mind of yours that gets you into all kinds of trouble? Isn't that true? Our minds get us into all kinds of trouble. The minute God starts talking to us, we kick into reasoning. The minute God talks to us, we begin to kick into logic. And we begin to think about the ramifications. And we, we think about this and that and the other and all the rest. And sometimes the mind shuts down what God wants to do in our life. How do you rewire that stuff? You rewire it by speaking, 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 speaking some more. You speak the word and agree with what it says. We've got to think like God thinks. And this happens by talking like God talks. And eventually when you talk like God talks, you will walk like God walks. And he walks without fear. He walks without anxiety. He walks in, in total victory, no defeat. That's why Jesus said, he said, don't take any, don't take any type of worry or anxiety for what comes tomorrow. He said, just live this moment in him. Peter, seeing Jesus walk on the water, had enough renewal that had gone on in his mind that he was able to say, Lord, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And we all know what Peter did. He stepped out of the boat and on one word, come, he was able to stand and begin to walk on water. But what happened? He saw the wind, he saw the waves. And so what did the wind and the waves have to do with the water? Nothing. Do you understand that Jesus was walking on water with all of this tumultuous activity going around him? Peter begins to walk on water with all this tumultuous activity going on around him. And at first, the tumultuous activity had nothing to do with him walking on the water. The problem was, is that he got his eyes on the tumultuous activity. And as soon as his eyes got on that, it caused his mind to shift from faith to fear. And he started to sink. Hear me, folks. We're going to have tumultuous activity in the earth. You got to keep your eyes stayed on the Lord. You got to keep your eyes on the prize. You've got to keep the word in your mouth because the minute you begin to look at all the tumultuous activity, you begin to sink. Fear, if it's allowed to run its course, will always sink you. Listen to me now. You are okay usually every Sunday with your life and what's going on because you've been hearing God's word. But you have not renewed your mind, so Monday what happens is you begin to see your problems again. And then you see it on Monday, you see it on Tuesday, and you see it through till Friday and Saturday. And by the time, I watch you when you come in here, by the time you get here on Sunday, many of you, the water line is right about there. Your nostrils are just above the water line. And we'll sow faith into you again, and it'll, it'll buoy you up. But you've got to begin to speak the word, and it will renew your mind, number four. We speak because it keeps the answer before us. If you're always speaking the problem, if you're praying the problem, if you're seeing the problem, then you'll always have faith in the problem. 
If you're always talking the problem to others, then do you really have a problem? I mean, sure, you have a problem. If you're constantly saying, I have this problem, I can't get rid of it, it won't go away, it gets bigger every day. If you do that, then one day you're going to have a gigantic big problem. If you wake up and see the problem, if you go to bed and think the problem, if you eat, sleep, and live the problem, then we can, with some agreement, say the problem has consumed you. Is that not true? Has anyone here? Now, come on, be human beings with me. There have been moments I have lived and walked where I have faced a problem and issues and the problem has consumed me. Has anybody been there? Come on now, be honest. This problem has consumed you. And because it's consumed you, it's before you all the time. It, 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 it empowers your fears. It establishes a lot of what that problem is all about. Hear me now, I'm using this sort of as a backwards way to analogize something. That that, that feeling of being consumed by your problem is how we have to begin to develop our inner man to be consumed with the answer. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You will never solve a problem by dwelling on the problem. You must get off the problem and get to the answer. You must get off the circumstance and get back to the solution. And if you can begin to speak the Word of God until finally you have spoken it so much that you have become consumed with the answer, what happens is you have established you have established that promise as a deed in your heart that God is obligated, and yes, I said obligated, to manifest because you've got that thing by faith. I'm going to say something really radical here. Because no one else will say it, but I will. Mark chapter eleven twenty four. You've all read this too. It says here, Therefore I say to you, whatever things, whatever things, everyone say whatever. Now in the original language, you know what whatever means? That's right, see? It means whatever. Whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now listen to me. This is radical. And and listen to the whole sentence before you turn me off. Some Christians actually destroy their faith by praying. I'm just going to pause on that for a minute. So what do you mean? Because what they do is, is that they pray the problem over and over and over and over. They just pray the problem. Oh, God, it's falling apart. Oh, God, what will I do? Oh, God, I don't see any change. Now, I, I know what people come up to me and say, you mean I can't bear my burden before the Lord? I, can't. I'm, I understand there's a moment to bear your burden, and then there's a moment to rise up in faith. Prayer is about speaking the answer, speaking the promise. Don't go, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, it's going to take me out. Well, that's the, the Word says greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. That He can do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. You, you see, I don't have to sit there and go, what am I going to do? I'm getting the hang beat out of me. Oh, God, it's all falling apart. It's all... No, I can begin to say, Lord, this is what I face. 
My enemies have a right against me. But your word says that though the enemy comes against me one way, they will scatter in seven ways. The Bible says that I shall lend and not borrow. The Bible says that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. The Bible says your word says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and that I am an heir and I am a joint heir and all things are mine because I am in you and there is nothing that befalls me that can take me out. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. I am declaring back to you your word. Which is why he says, I believe in Isaiah, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. God is waiting for a people who will return his word to him. And say, I agree with you. I agree with you. You'll be amazed. Number five, confession works because it changes your heart. I won't read Proverbs 4, but it talks about guarding your heart. You've got you to gotta guard your heart with all diligence. The positive confession keeps your heart in a condition for God to talk to you and work in you. It changes your heart. You keep speaking the word. You keep speaking His promises. Number six. The reason confession works is because it sets the law of faith in motion. The Lord has established certain laws that cannot be circumvented. I'm tired of hearing guys with degrees behind their name come up and tell me why it won't work that way or why it won't happen in this era or time period or in America. It doesn't matter what you think. There are certain laws that cannot be circumvented. It's like gravity. You can ignore gravity, but the first time you jump off a building, you're going to find out that God didn't suspend that law for you. Romans 3.27. Romans 3.27. I need to read this because I wrote in my notes. Read it to him. Romans 3.27, it says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Faith is a law. There's a law of faith. In other words, God says this is, this is, this is immutable. This works for everyone. But Paul would later say that the carnal mind is hostile to the law. For most of us, our greatest fight is between our head and our heart. There are things that don't make sense to us, but are valid kingdom precepts. And when we speak, it begins to set the law of faith into motion. Now listen to me, you've got to start where you are. Wherever you are in your faith, you've got to get started. You know, a lot of folks dismiss the principles of faith because when they tried to believe for something, it didn't happen like they thought it ought to happen. And so they say, well, that just stuff just doesn't work. Listen, you can't start beyond where your development is. You, you, can't, you can't say, well, I'm, I'm believing for a million dollars and you couldn't believe for a 20. No, you know, you doubt and warm up. You, you don't even know where you're going to get your, you know, your Coke money. The disciples asked once for their faith to be increased. The Bible says that we move from faith to faith. People want to start by believing when something traumatic and large and incredible comes their way. We've got to start where we are. You've got to start believing. Instead of like, just saying, I'm believing, I'm believing for a new car. You know what you need? To, you need to believe for a parking space downtown. That's where you need to start. Are you with me? Don't confess for all this incredible stuff. Oh, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Well, sure it didn't work. You don't, you're so filled with fear at the moment, it couldn't work. You've got to begin to believe 
where you're at because it will begin to set things in motion and God will begin to build on that. So, so your confession begins to start. You know, you've heard me say this. You can't, you know, you can't start tithing for a week and just think everything's going to just suddenly change. You've got to put things in motion and walk that way. And you'll begin to see God build on it. And then finally, the reason confession works is because, and I like this one, it puts angels to work for you. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but right now in this room, I know we all see each other and y'all look good, by the way. I, I don't see one ugly person here this morning. Y'all look good. Y'all look good. Psalm 103, verse 19. Listen to this. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Is that not cool? His kingdom rules over America. His kingdom rules over the economy. His kingdom rules over it all. Now listen to this. This is what he attaches to it. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of of his word angels do what they hear they respond to when they hear the voice being given to the word of God I learned this years ago I learned that you can literally bind your angelic help that angels are bound to certain certain things and we can literally shut them down in how they operate in our lives because Hebrews 1:14 says that ministering servants or angels are given as servants to the inheritors of salvation. I am an inheritor of salvation, are you? If you're an inheritor of salvation, the scripture says that angels are given to you in order that they might help aid and serve the purposes of God that are going on in your life. And I have come to learn that there are two ways angelic help gets shut down in our life. Number one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I think it's right around verse 10 thereabouts. Um, what you'll begin to see there is uh, some scripture on authority. And it says that when we're not in, in, under authority and we're not under covering, that it binds angelic help. Paul says the reason all of this authority is set up is because of the angels. So the angels look to see if you're in rebellion or if you're under authority. That's one of the ways that they can be restricted or loosed in our lives. But the second way is, is that they're, they're bound or restricted from working when they don't hear the Word of God being declared out of our mouths. And what happens is, is we begin to speak. This is what I believe. I believe when we begin to speak fear, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, has He? 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I believe faith is what makes the kingdom of God work, and I believe fear is what makes the satanic realm work. And I believe that if we find ourselves speaking fear constantly, what happens is we literally empower demons to begin to operate according to the thing they hear us saying out of our own mouth. Conversely, if we speak fear, it restricts that angelic help. But the good news is this, if we get faith in our mouth, if we speak what God has said in our mouth, it begins to bind the demonic influence and it begins to loose the angelic possibilities and suddenly they scatter. Now they're not scattering just on a whim. They're not scattering just because you're all that in a bag of chips. They're scattering because something came out of your mouth. Words came out of your mouth. 
voice was being given to the Word of God. And all of a sudden, they heard the Word of God come forth and their ears sprung to you. And they said, I've heard what God has said. And they moved to that thing. They moved to that thing. But it comes from our mouth. Right now in this room, there are literally thousands, no joke, we may, it may, every seat may not be filled in the natural, but I will assure you every seat is filled this morning. There's no doubt in my mind. You can call me strange, silly, out to lunch. I don't care. I mean, I mean we, got angels, we got angels hanging out all over the platform. We got angels in seats all next to you. This place is literally packed with angelic help. And they're waiting to hear something come out of our mouth that will cause them to respond in such a way that they will be doing the will of God in the earth. And I'm here to tell you, we are hindering all sorts of angelic help when we don't get our confession right according to the Word of God. Now, my personal focus, as of late has been, because I've been just kind of consumed with it, you know, has been talking, I've been talking to bankers and financiers and people, you know, in the county and land development engineers and architects. And a lot of my life, it seems like, you know, for better or worse, has been revolving around a project of getting the house of the Lord built. Everything in the natural, listen to me, everything in the natural right now in my life in this regard is saying it ain't going anywhere. Nobody really wants to talk to you. It isn't going to happen. The economy is just at a standstill. You're just going to wait. And, and I mean, I, I'm hearing all this kind of stuff. And here, listen to me. This isn't, just, this isn't just where you're at. This is where we're at and where I'm at. And I'm just using it as an example. I can agree with all of that or I can begin to confess God's promises. I've got, I personally have a choice in this regard. What am, I going, what am I going to say? What am I going to believe? Because if I simply go, well, yeah, you're right, the economy's bad. The angels, oh, I guess we aren't going to be doing anything today, boys. The economy's bad. That's what we heard. But if you'll begin to speak what God has said, all of a sudden, they're dispatched to begin to work and to do and to create and all the things that they have been created to do, they can begin to put into motion God's promise. For some of you today, it's a job. You need a job. Where am I going to get my next job? For some of you, it's a bill. It's bill collectors. It, 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 it's needing resource. And because you don't have resource, it's caused you to wonder where your next meal's coming from or how am I going to make the payment on the light bill or on my rent or on my house. For some of you, it's disappointment. You've been disappointed so much, so badly, that it has literally rocked your world and it has caused your whole way of looking at things to change. And you've said to yourself, I don't know that I can get through this disappointment. For some of you, it is something so personal that you haven't even put it out there. I probably don't even know it. But you couldn't even write it down as a prayer request because it is just so personal that, that for you, it's just, it's just shut you down and... and, and cut you off and you said to yourself, I don't, I don't even know how anybody could get through this. Listen to me. This is your moment of decision.
this is our moment of decision. This is the moment we either let these things cause us to shut down or this is the moment we awaken to what God has said will work and we put it into practice. It was the prophet Isaiah in the sixth chapter who when he went into the temple and the presence of God came, he suddenly said these words, he says, Woe is me for I am a man undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, he says. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And the Bible says that an angel grabbed a coal off the heavenly altar. And he ran it down to where Isaiah was. And Isaiah said, it touched my lips. And he says, literally in the Hebrew, he says, my sin was expiated. My sin was purged. This is, this is what really helped me get a hold of this. I began to realize... That when I began to speak fear and doubt and negativity and death, I had to get this in my, in my psyche to get me through to the next place I needed to be. I had to understand that's not the way I am. That's sin. And as soon as I recognized, okay, okay, that's true. I'm not sleeping around. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not smoking, you know, dope. I'm not doing drugs. I'm, you know, I'm not doing all these bad things. But I can't speak faith. That is sin. And once I got that, it was like something in me said, well, I don't want to sin. I sure enough don't want to sin. Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. And suddenly when I could recognize that as what it is, and I could get to the cross and all of its power, then suddenly there was a power that began to infuse me, that began to turn. You say, are you perfect at it? No, I'm not perfect at it. Nobody's perfect at it, but, but I'm nowhere near where I was. And, and I'm here to look at some of you and say this. Your whole life can change this morning. Your whole life can be rearranged. Your whole circumstances can begin to make the corner, turn the corner. You can pull over the new chapter. And all it takes at this very moment is for you to begin to say, you know what? My biggest problem really isn't the devil and it isn't demons, and it isn't my boss, and it isn't my spouse, and it isn't where I live, and it isn't my job, and it isn't the money I make. It is, my biggest problem is right there square on my face. Because God has given us the answer. He has given us the answer if we'll just put it into motion. Positive confession, I'm telling you. Don't, don't, don't. I, you say, well, I, this preacher said one time... That was an anointed. I'll tell you another liberating thing I learned. That everything that has been written in books and everything that is preached from pulpits doesn't mean it's right. I have people, well, it's a book. It was published. There are all kinds of stupid, silly stuff published. You got to get back to the book. I'm telling you right now, I, you, some of you are at a crossroad right now. I'm telling you, you're at a crossroad. Your whole life is fixing to change if, if you'll embrace this moment. Stand with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming right now. Thank you for coming right now. 
and shining a light on us in Jesus' name. I mean, has it not ever just sort of made you stop and marvel how your whole week can be going terrible and you can just come to the house of God and you can sit under some instruction or preaching, whatever you want to call it, and suddenly your perspective starts changing? I don't know about you, that's remarkable to me. It's not so remarkable because it's a person that does that. It's remarkable because that's the word of the Lord that's beginning to do what it was designed to do. But he doesn't want you just victorious today. He wants you victorious tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He's causing this to be your year because there's things that are getting inside of you right now that you may have heard before, but it never really got in there. You've listened to this stuff before, but you've never really embraced it. I, I, I probably haven't said something this morning that many of you, maybe most of you, who knows, maybe all of you, have not heard in some form or fashion before. And maybe it would have been easy to just check out and say, well, I know this, I've heard this. But truth of the matter is, you may know it, but it's not revelation in your spirit. And now is your moment to get this in your spirit. Get it in your spirit. God can change your whole circumstance if you'll change what's coming out of the mouth. Holy Spirit, begin to work on us right now. Work on us right now. Work on us right now. He's just wooing you right now. He's drawing you. How many of you would, would say even at this particular moment right now as we're standing here in these last few moments, just be honest, there's no judgment or no condemnation in this at all. This is a place where we just want people to be right and to be whole and to, to get on the path and to experience victory. So there. Don't let the enemy make your pride rise up at this moment and somehow keep you from really what you need to admit before God. But how many of you would just be bold enough and honest enough and we'll love you because to be candid with you, it's the vast majority would say right now, my, my mouth, I may, I may be clean in every area of my walk, but my mouth, well, it's sin. It's just sin. It's just sin. It's just sin. Yeah, it's just sin sin amen put your hands down here's the good news the good news is the minute you admit what it is it can be addressed through the blood god doesn't address your personality through the blood are you with me god doesn't address just the way you are through the blood he addresses sin through the blood and when you acknowledge something is sin the lord says praise me i can begin to do a work of transformation in their life Yes, he can right now. In Jesus' name. Father, you've seen the hands that were uplifted in this place. Lord, you've seen everyone here and whose heart has moved towards you. I want all of us right now, would we just agree together, and those of you that have been walking on target, I want you to repeat after me as well as those that had their hands uplifted. And all of us together, we're just going to encourage those that are speaking, and we're going to just link up with them. And let's all together say this. In the name of Jesus... I confess to you now that the words of my mouth that have come forth as death, the negativity, the fear, the worldly perspective, Lord, I confess it as sin. 
And I'm making a choice. And I'm turning from that right now. You're enabling me to do that, Lord. I'm repenting from that work. The death talk. And I am embracing the blood of Jesus like that coal off the altar to cleanse my lips, to purge me from that sin. And I embrace the life of God, the promise of God, the hope, the joy, the positive. And I tell you this day that in my spirit, I agree with your word that says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. I am headed for a better day. I am headed for a new chapter. I am headed for a new season. I believe a key to 2009 were the lips on my face. And I acknowledge that. It's going to be my year because it's the favorable year of the Lord. In Jesus' name. How many of you really believe that now that you did that before the Lord? Do you believe that right now? Do you believe that right now? Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen. How'd you get saved? You got saved when you came maybe to an altar to church and you believed in your heart. You, you turned from your sins, you repented, and you believed in Christ alone and you made confession. I believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that He died on a cross and He rose again and He did it for me. You just confessed what the Word said and you were saved. You accessed saving power. Come on now, it's time you accessed your healing. You accessed your deliverance. You accessed that kingdom job. You accessed joy. You accessed peace. You accessed deliverance. Isn't it about time to get the devil underfoot right now? It is time we accessed some things and got him underfoot again in Jesus' name. you got to start accessing this. And that key is right here. Amen and amen. I want you to be a rabid, radical group of Christians as you leave this morning. I want you to go to your workplace. I want you to go to school. I want you to get to ski invasion. I want you to go wherever God takes you this week. And I want you to have on your lips the promises of God. I want you to be a mystery to everyone. Because they're saying, what are you, what, what are you so joyful about? Because I ain't walking in this nation. I've accessed another one. Why are you so peaceful? <laughs> well, you know what? I've just accessed that room. Would you like to access it? You'll be amazed. People want to know what's up. Amen. Lord, now seal in our hearts this morning. Lord, what you've taught us and what we need to do to implement it. Lord, I've had folks walk forward and there's a moment for that. But Lord, right now, right where they're standing in their seats right now, would you seal that work? Lord, you've got to put this in us as a church. Lord, I, I, I know some will claim, well, they're a word of faith church. Well, we ought to be a word of faith church. We ought to be a deliverance church. We ought to be a Pentecostal church because we believe in Pentecost. Lord, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be the whole council of God church. Amen.
And Lord, as we walk in the whole council, we believe all of the kingdom can begin to be released towards us. We thank you for that, Lord. Now seal it in their hearts. Lord, keep them safe. It's going to be a great week this week. It will be. It will be a great week this week. (laughs) Because of what you're showing us and revealing to us. So, Lord, we love you a lot. We appreciate you. We honor you, Lord. You are our everything. In you we have our life, our being, our breath. Everything's in you, Lord. Which means the life of God is flowing inside of us. So, Lord, we embrace it and we go from this place victoriously in Jesus' mighty name. And one last time, the assembly said amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Remember, School of Leaders again Wednesday night. Everyone's invited. It's going to be a great week. Love each other. Hug each other's neck. Encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. You're released. God bless you. We'll see you.